Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so why don't we start with Herb, obviously. Urban Meyer made his much-anticipated appearance before the media yesterday, and he came strong, and he made a powerful statement. You know, I think the reality is that the AFC South is within striking distance. Hmm. All right. What else, Herb? Anything else? This team's a much different team than it was week one. In a tough environment, go up there and play like our players played. You know, very proud of them. And he came out and smoking. The team's a much better team than it was week one. Now we just got to keep improving. The reality is that when you turn on the videotape week one to week four, it's a marked improved team. And if you continue to make strides, which young teams, new systems, you would expect that. And uh, I see it clear as day. <laughs> oh, dude, that's good. Good one, Herb. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, dude, that's good. Yeah, because anybody. Seriously, I can't stop laughing, Alvy. I mean, that really is hilarious because anybody anywhere gives a damn about any of that. No one is here for that. No one gives a damn about anything you have to say about the AFC South or putting on the videotape of week one versus week four. The only video that people were talking about were the videos that were shot in Columbus last week and then surfaced online over the weekend. That's all that matters right now. That's all that matters with you, Herb, right now. Not that you know or care. So why don't we just get into this thing? Why don't we talk about what really matters here? The Jags lose to Cincinnati on Thursday night. They fall to 0-4. Standard operating procedure at that point is the team flies back home the players get some extra time off the coaches use that extra time to grind tape and get ready for the next game especially if you're 0-4 and arguably the worst team in the world and nothing is going right that's SOP for any NFL head coach who's got half a brain but of course that's not what Herb did Herb did not do that Do you remember his act after that loss to Cincinnati? Remember how he was talking about how that loss was, quote, devastating, heartbreaking. It was devastating, heartbreaking. You remember? And never mind that his body language was terrible and his talking points were even worse and he's showing himself to be incapable of leading or motivating or inspiring anybody on this level. Bad enough that he actually said those things or used those words. You know, words like Devastating. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Even worse, though, to see what he actually did about said devastation and heartbreak. Or in this case, what he did not do. He didn't get on a plane. He didn't get his ass back to work. He skipped the plane and stayed in Ohio so he couldn't, his words, stay and hang out with his grandchildren. You know, forget for a moment that those videos sure did not look like grandpa hanging with grandkids a head coach staying behind to hang out with his family simply does not happen it just doesn't further evidence that this guy just doesn't have it he doesn't get it he's not built for it when I say that it's standard operating procedure that the coach flies home with the team it's the only operating procedure Michelle Steele tweeted, quote, We have tried to come up with another example of a coach not traveling back home with the team, and it's virtually unheard of. Parcells did not fly back with the Patriots after the loss to Green Bay in, Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl in 97. He would not coach another game for New England. Lindsey Jones tweeted, quote, The Jags fired Gus Bradley in Houston in late 2016, and he still flew back on the team plane. End quote. So that's how freaking unreal the initial decision was before we even get to those embarrassing videos. He already made another terrible decision. Another terrible decision in a series of terrible decisions since arriving in Jacksonville in the first place. 
Like, you know, yeah, you guys take that L. You guys go on back to Jacksonville. I'm going to stay in Ohio and hang out with my fam. No, I'm not going to travel with my team to hammer away and fix this problem. Nope, I'm just going to kick it with the fam instead. I mean, could this dude be any more clueless about how things are done in the NFL than he is? That just does not happen. Now, you might think that it's kind of sweet that the old man wanted to get in some in-person time with the grandkids. But again, it doesn't happen. At least not like this and not during an NFL season. Is Urban Meyer the first NFL head coach with family? Hell no. Is he the first one who would love to get a little extra time in with his family? Of course not. But he apparently is the first one to bail on his team after a road loss like that in order to spend time with his family. I mean, credit to this dude. This is what he said that he would do when he quit on Florida. Remember? He needed more family time. It's just weird that it took him all this time and took him this long to get around to spending time with the family. So, then according to Herb, he throws on the Ohio State pullover and we could spend another hour unpacking the psychological implications of a guy who's bombing out in the NFL, wanting to reclaim his glory days from his last good job. But he throws on the Ohio State shirt, and he goes to a restaurant bearing his name. A sad and pathetic attempt to get some love and positive vibes from a place where he actually mattered. You know the saying, always forward, never back? Not with this dude. He couldn't wait to go back. You know, like that loser who graduates high school and then shows up again on campus a few years later knowing that his life will never be better than it was back then. I'll let him pick up the story and take it from there. There's a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did. They were trying to pull me out on the dance floor screwing around and I should have left. You see, the problem with that is, the problem isn't with the fact that it's an absurd description of what happened. But we've all seen the video. So get out of here with that bullcrap, Herb. Oh, and then there's this. There's a second video, a second angle, a second shooter on the grassy knoll. Let me read you the description from ESPN. Quote, Roughly an hour after Myers' news conference Monday, another video emerged on social media that appeared to show Meyer touching a woman's bottom. While he was sitting at the bar, the woman appeared to be wearing the same clothes, jeans, and a white top as the woman in the first viral video. End of quote. You know, things are bad when ESPN's got to write that the video, quote, appeared to show Meyer touching a woman's bottom. End of quote. Uh Uh-oh! Let me tell you something. Having seen the alleged second video... Sure as hell didn't look to me like he was being dragged out onto a dance floor. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, how insanely delusional and arrogant and ignorant and out of touch do you have to be to think that you could just bluff and lie your way out of this? Did you really think that there would not be another video in this day and age? Did you really think... That nobody was going to notice that you put on an Ohio State pullover and went to a restaurant with your name on it to get noticed. And that's what you do. And then it gets worse because then he went on to make this point. Well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself because I've seen this happen. All right, so a couple of things here. Number one. According to reports, Trevor Lawrence went to Las Vegas in March in the middle of the offseason before he was even drafted. Man, there is such an enormous difference between going to Las Vegas in the offseason before you're drafted and, quote, touching a woman's bottom on video after a week four loss. Number two, Trevor Lawrence's bachelor party was described by TMZ as, quote, low key. Number three, Keep Trevor Lawrence's name out your mouth. This is not about Trevor Lawrence. It's about you, Herb. And if I were Trevor Lawrence, man, I'd be pissed. 
I'd be pissed that you're comparing the two incidents because they're nothing alike. Pretty remarkable for a guy whose mantra for the team has been, own it, own it. That's the motto, own it. Pretty rich to bring up his quarterback's offseason trip that did not produce any videos like this. How pissed would you be if you're Lawrence? And how little do you think that every single guy in that locker room must think of Herb for name-checking the most important person in the organization in order to cover his own ass when that person had absolutely nothing to do with the horrible decision-making that the old man himself made? And this guy is the one saying that the team motto is, own it. What a freaking hypocrite. Then he goes on to say this. The team, uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one-on-one, spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They were focused on Tennessee, and I apologized again for being a distraction. And uh, a coach should not be a distraction. That's funny. It really is funny. Back when Meyer hired Chris Doyle, the strength coach in the racial discrimination lawsuit. And then Doyle resigned because everybody said that was a horrible idea. Everybody not named Herb, that is. Back then, Meyer said, quote, we don't need a distraction. Moving forward is the best interest of all. End quote. Again, hilarious. Because all this guy has done is be a distraction since he got there. Hiring Doyle for a few minutes bringing in Tim Tebow, getting fined 300 gur for rules violations, that idiotic quarterback competition that nobody believed in the first place, and now this. And why? Because hashtag buddy deserved a night out. Every coach in the history of football on every level ever tells his team, don't be a distraction, including Herb. Yet he himself is one of the biggest distractions ever. Again, a complete and total hypocrite. The only guy who believes Urban Meyer's BS is Urban Meyer. And that's always been the case. Because everywhere he's been, he has stood up at a microphone and lectured everybody on morals and how to live. And he's been so full of it every time. Now, I'm not saying the Jags will fire him for this. But I could see where they might want to because this is not what they're paying him to do. I mean, they should have known what they were getting when they hired this guy. But I'm sure Shad Shad Khan didn't think, hey, man, why don't we pay this guy crazy jack, let him come in, lose every single game, create distractions all the time, and then get nice and go viral for grinding with young women. Again, I'm not saying that they will fire him. But I can completely understand why they might want to. And there is that one report that the organization has considered it. And and by the way, importantly, exactly how does this guy go back into his locker room and try to lead now? How does this guy have any credibility whatsoever with his players and coaches on anything now? Forget the videos. The head coach of an 0-4 team decided Buddy deserved a night out. Instead of going back to work and fixing it. They're 0-4. Their worst record through four games since 2014. And for a team that's had some really bad years, that's their worst start in a long time. They're the only team in the league that hasn't scored more than 21 points this season. So maybe instead of touching a woman's bottom, hanging out with your grandkids, you go grind some tape instead of letting co-eds grind on you. And you scheme your way to a few touchdowns instead of hanging out with co-eds at your own restaurant who have never heard of you and want you to stop creeping on them. How about you do that? How about you do what you always do when things get tough and adversity hits? You just quit. Because this could not be going any worse than it is right now, and it's all your own doing gramps. So, in your own words... Own it. Man, if I were Trevor Lawrence, I'd be so pissed that he invoked his name and tried to compare his situation to Lawrence's. Got nothing to do with each other. Why are you name-dropping that guy? 1-800-636-8686. Like, I knew this could go badly. 
I never could have ever imagined it being the disaster it is already. Already you've got the owner issuing statements four games in about where they're at. And a report that they're looking at whether or not there's a morals clause that they can use to get away from this guy. And good luck getting anybody. Good luck coaching these guys up now. Indulge me for a moment and let me talk to you about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sportsbook and digital casino app. So whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 4, totals for college football Week 5, or both, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has those too. It's all right there for you with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise, and more. It really is the very best loyalty program in the industry. So whether playing from your phone or your computer, you absolutely have got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody else you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Scotty Scheffler joins me right now. Scotty, it's good to have you on. How are you? Hey, Jim. How you doing? Thanks good. for having me on. Great to have you, dude. Listen, so it's been a few days since you and the rest of the team won the Ryder Cup. What's it been like since? How's your life right about now? You know, life is good. Um, I had a pretty relaxed week at home, nothing crazy. Um, I, you know, tried to get some rest coming down off of the high last week. So it was nice to just be at home and relax, play a little golf. Um, you know, not too much. We, we've kept a pretty low profile since we got back. I like it. You know, I'm kind of curious, though, when you think back on the experience, what are the memories and moments that stick out the most to you? What are the things that you think about first? So I would say the things that are going to stick with me the most are probably matches on Friday and Saturday. Um, team golf, especially when you're playing with a partner and being able to represent your country. I mean, being, Bryce and I had a great time out there together, and those will be some of my, my fondest memories of the tournament, just playing in that environment with all the fans cheering for us and cheering for our country. It, it was really cool. Scotty Scheffler joining us. You know, to that point, I've talked to a lot of golfers over the years, and they've talked about the fact that there's nothing in their career that prepared them for teeing it up at the Ryder Cup. Like, you touched on it, but how would you describe the emotions that you were feeling when you and Bryson did start on Friday afternoon? Yeah, so, I mean, the first tee shot's a crazy environment, just with, you know, they, they announce you representing the United States. You got Bryson DeChambeau and Scotty Scheffler, and they announce my name, and then people start cheering, they go crazy, and then all of a sudden it gets really, really quiet when you're about to hit your shot. And that was probably the weirdest part because you expected the roars, you expect all the noise, and all of a sudden it just gets dead silent, and it's really strange. And then you got to figure out a way to just try and get that ball in the fairway. But, I mean, it was a wonderful experience. I've dreamed of being in that moment pretty much my entire life. And so to be able to go out there and perform well and get a win for our team was, was awesome. Scotty Scheffler is joining us. So, Scotty, what about the mood among the players on Friday night after that enormous first day? What did it feel like then? So our environment most of the week was pretty relaxed. We didn't really – there wasn't any crazy rah-rah team speeches or these, you know, big moments in the team room. It was more just everybody was relaxed, and I think our captains did a good job of having that environment be so relaxed so we were able to go out and perform at our best um it was kind of funny i I don't even remember talking to strict friday night all i remember was saturday night after we got going he talked to us for about 20 seconds and then just said all right go back to the hotel get some rest and you know they just did a really good job of getting us prepared and then the environment around the team was very relaxed and we all had a good time and perform well that actually is pretty cool i want to go back to strict in a minute like there might not have been those raw raw moments but i want to ask you about this like the team had a huge lead after saturday you guys did not slow down the story goes that on sunday though patrick cantlay said at the breakfast the goal should be 20 points and that the team should be quote looking to send a message what was the attitude then that you brought to the course on sunday so our attitude going in sunday is back to individual golf so for all of us i mean we have a, a lot of guys on that team that really hate losing and so for us, the motivation, even though we had a big lead, it, no, one, no one ever wants to lose their match. And so for us, it was just going in and trying to get your own point. Uh, I think Patrick texted uh, the three of us, the three guys going out first. It was me, him, and Xander. And just kind of a little motivational text before we went out. But 
that was probably the only only thing that was said really he just said hey let's try and make a statement today let's go out and get get our points and um yeah that was pretty much it it was just going out and trying to get points and being able to kind of lock it up early definitely took pressure off those guys later in the afternoon um in their matches as well Scotty Scheffler joining us. Scotty, the thing is, though, you weren't just playing singles on Sunday. You were doing it against John Rahm, the world number one, and a guy who had been an absolute beast on Saturday and Sunday. So when when you first saw the matchup, what was your reaction? So when I first saw the matchup, we were in the training room, and DJ showed me the pairings, and he was pretty jacked up, and I got to play John. And I was excited for that matchup as well. Um, he'd had a great week up until that point, and I think, you know, everybody on our team probably wanted to play him on Sunday just because he'd gotten the better of us. I think he was 3-0-1 going into that match with his only half being against me and Bryson in the afternoon on Friday. And so hadn't beaten him yet, and all the guys were excited to go out there and have a chance. And, you know, I was excited as well. It was it was nice to get out early, and uh, I got to a really good start in that match, and I'm sure it was good motivation for the guys seeing a little bit more red up there on the leaderboard as, as they were teeing off as well. Scotty, good start. I mean, you won the first hole, then the second, then the third, then the fourth. I mean, at that point, what's going through your head through the first four holes? I mean, you know, John's such a fantastic player. You know, once you get a little bit of a lead on him, it doesn't feel safe. And so every time I won a hole, it was like, all right, I need to get one more. I need to get one more hole. I need to get one more hole. And it was just kind of a, a grind. You really can't let off of him because if you give him a little bit of an opening, he's going he's gonna to take advantage of it. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and your saving and build a budget that works for you. Monitor your credit score. Explore ways to improve your credit. Get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can make sure you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree also gives you personalized tips and insight into how to save money and reach your financial dreams. For more than 20 years, LendingTree has helped millions of people simplify their finances with trusted education, expert advice, and comprehensive services. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. We're talking to Scotty Scheffler. You mentioned DJ. DJ was raving about what you did in that match against Rom. Quote, it was amazing to see that. That was the only thing I was looking at, to be honest. Jordan Spieth added, quote, we all saw it. We knew it was happening. If you looked at one thing on the board, you saw that. End quote. I'm curious, like, how does it feel to know your teammates were all watching and that you put up that kind of performance and they not only had your back, but immense respect for you and how you handled yourself? Yeah, I mean, the the guys on the team, the the ones, you know, DJ, Jordan, you know, Xander, Patrick, you know, kind of the leaders of our team, I – Going back to even when the team was being selected, I feel like those guys always had my back and wanted me to be a part of that team. It's not like, um, you know, it was some captain who hadn't seen me play golf before that just decided, you know, he wants this guy. It was the guys on the team wanted me to be there, and, you know, that gave me a ton of confidence going into the event. And, you know, they, they had my back the whole time, and to be able to have their support and, you know, be able to create some momentum for the team was amazing on Sunday. Hey, Scotty, what about that partnership with Bryson? What was it about your partnership with Bryson that made it so good? So Bryson and I, we've known each other since college and junior golf, and we've always gotten along really well. And for us, it was pretty seamless. I mean, he's one of my buddies out on tour, and it was an easy an easy matchup for both of us. We're both very comfortable with each other. And um, the statistics showed that we would be a great best ball team. And, you know, we went out and performed well. And, you know, we had a good time. It was, Friday and Saturday was by far the most fun I've ever had on a golf course. Scott, the thing that's really interesting to me is you were the first player in more than a decade to make a Ryder Cup team without or before getting a win on tour. However, the thing that always comes up when people talk about you is the fact that you have won at every single level. You won the Legends Junior Match Play Championship, the U.S. Junior. You played on winning teams at the Junior Ryder Cup, the Walker Cup, and more. So my question is, how do you explain the ability to play your best when it matters most? Is it something that just happens, or can you consciously dial it up? So if I could consciously dial it up, I would do it, try and do it every week. <laughs> sure. So I think sometimes for me, I, I get more excited for those bigger events and big moments. And it's not that I'm not excited 
to go out and play this week, but it's just a different level of excitement and preparation. I mean, you kind of peak, you try and peak around those certain times in the season, whether it's majors or WGCs. And you know, I get excited playing the best, playing against the best players in the world. So going out and playing John on Sunday was exciting for me. It was fun. You know, you want to put yourself in those moments, and you want to be playing late on Sundays at majors and playing in Ryder Cups and Presidents Cups. And so for me, those bigger events just, I think they just excite me a little bit more. Got a couple more minutes with Scotty Scheffler. So in the past, there have been questions, Scotty, about the chemistry of the American Ryder Cup team. This time around, man, at least from the outside, it seems like you guys had amazing chemistry. How would you describe the bonds of that team and the attitude in the team room and at meals? Like, what was it like on the inside? So on the inside, like I said before, it was really relaxed. And outside of that, I think, you know, with how young the team was, I've known most of those guys on the team for a really, really long time. And so the environment was just really easy to be a part of. You know, everybody's getting along well. I mean, the first night we go in there and Brooks and Bryson are eating dinner at the same table, you know, with Brooks's fiance. And it was just a really easy environment to be a part of. Everybody got along really well. And we were all extremely motivated to have that camaraderie and go out and beat up on the Europeans because they've gotten the better of us for a significant amount of time. All right, so because there's so much youth on that team and you guys know each other so well and so many players had not been on a Ryder Cup before, does it feel like this is the start of a new era? Uh, I guess so. I mean, it was definitely a new team having six rookies out there. and um, I'm sure it was a rarity as well to put three rookies out first on Sunday. That was definitely a different strategy that you probably wouldn't see in the past. And, you know, for us, uh, most of those guys that played on a President's Cup team in the last year, I was really the only true rookie on the team. So I was just glad to be a part of the team and part of that environment and was fortunate to get a few points for the team. All right, so finally, you're going to play in the Shriners Children's Open this week in Nevada. Is there anything that you're able to take away from the Ryder Cup experience that you can use when it comes to tour events? Yeah, I mean, playing under the immense pressure of the Ryder Cup definitely helps you feel more comfortable in that moment. Um, for me, I always had faith that I would perform well when it mattered most. And, you know, the Ryder Cup so far in my career has been the most important rounds of golf that I've ever played and was able to perform pretty well. And so going into this week, I'm just going to try and put myself in position to have a chance on Sunday and then hopefully perform well. Well, like I said, you have always played big on the biggest stages, and the Ryder Cup was no different. The Shriners Children's Open at TPC Summerland in Las Vegas is airing on Golf Channel October 7th through the 10th. Scotty Scheffler right in the middle of all of it. Scotty, so good to have you on the show finally. Great job. Nice to talk to you, and thanks for doing that. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you having me on. Did you know a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? Is that insane? October is Fire Prevention Month. And we're teaming up with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety, to help protect your entire family with safety that you can trust. Smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. So having enough First Alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do for your home and your family. You want to make sure you install alarms on every single level and in every bedroom of your home. And then once those alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. And remember, alarms do not last forever. They need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you can't remember the last time you replaced yours, it is best to replace the unit completely. So for a replacement option, my very favorite is First Alert's 10-year sealed battery alarms. 10-year sealed battery alarms are convenient and they eliminate the need for battery replacements for an entire decade. You also want to make sure you take the time to discuss home safety with your family. Plan and practice an escape route. Remember to practice it at least twice a year. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, visit firstalert.com slash month. Why don't we talk about what went down last night? Monday Night Football. I'm not sure what was the best part of last night's game. Raiders, Chargers. I mean, what was more electric? The game itself or the post-game press conferences? Because dudes were going off. You had Chunk, John Gruden, talking about the refs on Darren Waller's taunting penalty. I don't understand the taunting. I understand. I hate taunting. I think it's ridiculous. I think what happens after an interception or a touchdown, we allow these celebrations. I consider that taunting. I don't understand what happened over there on the Chargers sideline, but the official made the call. We have to deal with it. We couldn't get any momentum going. That didn't help us. 
Yeah, you got that. Man, that taunting penalty, too. I tweeted about that last night. I mean, again, thanks for spending so much time fixing a problem that didn't exist. Another horrible taunting call. Then you got Joey Bosa talking about the refs on his unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I didn't even know they called the penalty on me because I was fuming, but, I mean, refs are blind. Simple. I'm sorry, but you're blind. Like, open your eyes and do your job. It's so bad. It's unbelievable. Obviously, that's on me. I should never lose my control like that. But these guys have got to do a better job because it's been years of terrible, terrible missed calls left and right. It's uh, really pathetic, honestly, but pathetic on me, too, for, for doing what I did. Call or not, I have to take a step back and just go to the next play. But, man, they just seem to not be even have their eyes open half the time. Hey, Joey. Hey, Joey, I'm sorry, man. I really am. Joey, I am really sorry, dude. I'm sorry you're so awesome. Are you kidding me about that? Just straight up called them blind and terrible at their job. You know, the NFL so badly, so badly does not want their players talking about the refs. And my man's just out here saying, man, they are blind and they are terrible at their jobs. Man, I am sorry that you are so awesome. That is an incredible soundbite. I didn't even know they called the penalty on me because I was fuming. But, I mean, refs are blind. Simple. I'm sorry, but you're blind. Like, open your eyes and do your job. It's so bad. It's unbelievable. Obviously, that's on me. I should never lose my control like that. But these guys have got to do a better job because it's been years of terrible, terrible missed calls left and right. It's... uh, Really pathetic, honestly, but pathetic on me, too, for, for doing what I did. Call or not, I have to take a step back and just go to the next play. But, man, they just seem to not be even have their eyes open half the time. Man, this dude is so awesome. He is so awesome. He came on the show recently, and he was awesome, but not nearly as awesome as he was right there. I love that part, too, about, hey, man, this is on me, but not nearly as much as it is on them. Like, what I did was wrong, but, man... Not nearly as wrong as them. They're just blind and terrible. And then, not even like, man, they had a bad night. He made it clear it's been years, years of this. And let me interrupt this thought to just go right to this reaction because I'm getting this too. Props to the Chargers for going into the Raiders' home and punking them like that. Ward Dean Spanos getting to watch this team play 17 road games every year. Greg and Mission Beach. Hey, G... I feel you. I know you're still pissed. And the reason you're pissed now is not because they left. I mean, yes, that for sure. But you're pissed because they're good. They're good. And I knew the Charger fan, no, San Diego Charger fan would come up in here and say, yeah, how about them playing that home game against the Raiders? And yes, Raider fan was there. But I'm telling you, the Chargers are different. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I just want to make that point. I want to acknowledge that. I knew that San Diego Charger fan was coming in. And look, I'm not telling you you shouldn't be bent. That went really badly. You may never turn the page. You may never get over that. And I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. If you grew up in that town and you followed that town and you feel like you got stabbed in the back, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Who am I to tell you that? I'm not going to. But I am here to tell you that part of the reason you're so bitter right now is they're damn good. They are good. They are different. So the cliche about both teams, you had John Gruden complaining, you had Bosa complaining, and the cliche is if both teams are complaining, then the referees must be doing something right. But that's all wrong. They didn't do something right last night. It was just more of the same, more terrible taunting penalties, more players and coaches getting pissed off about the refs not doing their jobs. Like, you know it's bad when a guy is saying, quote, I'm sorry, but you're blind. You're blind. And calling the officials, quote, really pathetic. You're blind. Like I said, these guys know that the league's not having that. And they still don't care. That's how bad the officiating was. And my man Bosa, who's fast becoming one of my favorite human beings, was only getting started. Once somebody pulled him off the refs, he went in on Derek Carr, too. We knew once we hit him a few times, 
he really gets shook. And, and you saw on, on CeCe's sack, he was pretty much curling into a ball before we even got back there. So great dude, great player. He's been having a great year. But we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down and he's not as effective with a crowded pocket. I mean, dang. That, that, that is more dramatic and explosive than even the pregame lightning that put the game on hold despite the fact that it's indoors in a $5 billion edifice that is like the coolest place ever. But how about this guy saying a quarterback, quote, really gets shook when you hit him? That is about the most brutal thing that you can say about a quarterback. Don't get me wrong. And far be it for me ever to ever to question a quarterback's toughness. I would never do that. Not me. Anyway, most normal human beings would get pretty shook if they got sacked in an NFL game. But your quarterback is supposed to be your toughest player, right? They're not supposed to be like that. And this guy just said it point blank. And then he chased it with, quote, great dude, great player. But we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down. End of quote. Like calling him a great dude and great player was going to offset all that other stuff about you questioning his toughness. Like that was going to make it okay. Like Derek Carr was going to hear them, hear him say, hey man, we hit this guy and he gets shook. We hit this guy and he curls up. We hit this guy and he shuts down. Oh, but I'm cool with that because he said I'm a great guy and a great dude. He really gets shook, and he curls into a ball. But, man, what a great dude. What a great player. You know, in other words, like, man, I'd love to hang out with this guy. I don't want him under the center for me, but I would love to hang out with this guy. I'm a great dude. Oh, oh, but he'll fold like a card house if you hit him once. I can't stress this enough, man. Great dude, great player. But he gets really shook and curls up and pretty much shuts down if you hit him once. You know what this tells me? It boasts is amazing. It also tells me that Raiders Chargers is as nasty as it's ever been. And that's awesome. I'm telling you, man. San Diego Charger fan, you might be bent. Their future is bright as hell. They got an incredible quarterback. I think they've got an incredible young coach. Man, they look great. They look great. Last night, it did get off to kind of a weird start, though, right? That lightning delay at a stadium that has a roof. Sort of like, hey, Mother Nature, show me your lightning bolt. And it did. Let me drop some stats on you. Did you know two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35? Did you know that more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness? Did you know that there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss? And did you know that Keeps offers both? Now you do. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your front door every three months, and you do not even need to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month, and Keeps offers generic versions and discreet packaging and proven results. What more could you ask for? Well, how about this? Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, just go to keeps.com slash Rome and get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome and get that first month free. keeps.com slash Rome. Tanner Mordecai is my guest. Tanner, it's good to have you on. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, Tanner. In fact, I got another way to pose that question. You're coming off another huge game. You are 5-0. and Your team is in the top 25. You're going to be on CBS Sports Network coming up this weekend. So how are you, and then how would you describe the mood around the entire program? I mean, the guys are really excited. Um, we have a great going right now, and we're just trying to build off of that week by week. And uh, this weekend will be a good test for us going up to Navy. Uh, they... They have a really unique challenge ahead of our for our defense and our offense. So, yeah, just trying to build on it and keep it going. 
Tanner Mordecai is joining us. That's true, too. They, they really do present different challenges, unique challenges. Now, you're not just leading the nation in TD passes. You're throwing them at a rate that has not been seen in FBS since 2012. What is it about this offense that fits you so well? I mean, I think <clears throat> whenever we've gotten down the red zone, um, I think it's just kind of worked out that we call a good passing play, and it kind of works out that we score that way down there. Um, but, I mean, the receivers I have at SMU are top tier. And for the people that have watched us have realized that. And we have the, one of the best receiving cores in the nation. So it's, pre- it's been pretty pretty easy for me just to dish out to those guys and let them do their thing. SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai is my guest. Now, you started your college career at Oklahoma, and then you went to SMU, of course. I've talked to Sonny Dykes a number of times since he took over there, so I could see whereby you might connect with him. But what was it about that SMU program that made it feel like that's the place you wanted to be? Um, I think just the place where it is. Um, Dallas, Texas is a great place to play. Um, Like I said, I had a lot of returning receivers, um, experienced guys, and then – all starting 5-0 linemen were here last year and have played in years before. So they're really experienced. have played together for a really long time. Um, and then I think we just have a really good chance to win this conference. And uh, that was pretty much that what kind of drew me here. Tanner, what about like the intangibles? For instance, I understand that you had a receiving core that you like a lot. And you've got some veteran leadership up front. you got a coach you like. But at the same time, you've made it look pretty easy i'm not saying it is but you've made it look pretty easy you're not only the starter but you're also a team captain i think which says a lot about you as a leader so what's it been like to come to a new program a new system and then step in and lead right away yeah um when i was named one of the captains that was that was um my biggest accomplishment for sure i mean to have those guys pick me as one of their captains was just such a great feeling and I mean, it was a testament to, to the trust that they put in me and the other captains. And really just what I try to take from where I was before and bring it to SMU is just a winning culture. Uh, I've seen uh, three really good winning teams at Oklahoma. And from what I learned there, just try to take it to SMU and apply it everywhere I can so we can, we can go win a championship. SMU is undefeated, and they've got a game against Navy this weekend. Now, playing for Sonny Dykes means that you're playing for somebody who's coached guys like Jared Goff, Davis Webb, Shane Bouchelle, guys who put up enormous numbers, guys who went on to the NFL. Like, what is it about Coach Dykes that makes him such a great quarterback coach? Um, I mean, he's just a brilliant offensive mind, like you said. Um, kind of his track record speaks for itself. I mean, he's always had really good offenses, no, no matter where he was or what kind of team he had. The offense was always successful, and that was definitely something I looked into whenever I was when I was thinking about coming here. Tanner Mordecai is my guest. I want to ask you, you've had a lot of great moments that I could ask you about, but we got to talk about that game-winning TD on the final play of the game against Louisiana Tech. What do you remember about that particular play, and then what was that moment like? I mean, it was... First off, it was just insane. I've never, never thrown a hail mary. Never, th- definitely not to win the game. Um, I remember, I think we had 36 seconds, and we do a we do a 40 second two minute drill um, every Wednesday. So the coaches and everybody was just kind of like, we do this every week. Um, let's just go do our thing. And to start it, they kind of just had a lot of cushion and let me just kind of dink it and dunk it all the way down there until we had a chance to uh, throw it in the end zone. And then once I did, I threw it up, and Rasheed Rice made one of the best plays I've seen where he jumped up and tipped it back to uh, Reggie Roberson. And that's actually something uh, we've practiced where Rasheed jumps up and taps it because, I mean, if you watch the play, he gets like almost 50 inches off the ground. It was incredible. And uh, tipped it to Reggie. So, yeah, it was just just pure, pure insanity. I mean, Tanner, I guess that's why you practice that stuff, right, in the event that you ever need it during the game. But, again, we're talking about 36 seconds left, no timeouts. You need to go 73 yards to win that game. I mean, I don't really care how many times you practice it. Will you tell me, how often do you practice something that you need in a game in a situation like that and then it actually plays out that way in the game? Yeah, that's, that's what's so rare. Um, that played out to a tee. 
and the the way we won i mean that was it's still hard to to have words for it um but it it was just it was so much fun everyone was just having a ball whenever that happened everyone was just going crazy i remember i threw it and, and whenever reggie caught the tip um my jaw dropped i didn't even know what to say i looked at uh jalen thomas and um we both didn't even know what to say. I just jumped into his arms, and then after that, it was just pure, pure insanity. That is cool. Tanner Mordecai joining us. I think also there's a real good message in this. Like we talked about Oklahoma. You go to Oklahoma out of high school. You battle for the starting job there. When things didn't work out the way you would have liked, it would have been easy maybe to lose some confidence and maybe give up, but you didn't do that. Why not? What was your mindset? I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a competitor. Um I mean, I, I just wanted to compete at high level. I really did. Um, after not winning those starting jobs, I mean, it, it does it does suck. It, it's not as fun whenever you're a competitor and you're not being, you're not able to compete on on Saturdays. But I mean, I know I had a really good corner, um, like my my parents, and then some really trusted people that just kept telling me, like, you know, you you have the skills, you have the mindset to to go compete and play quarterback at a high level. And, uh, FBS. So, I mean, I believed them. I believed in myself. And once the opportunity came for me to come to SMU, I took it. And um, now I'm just trying to run with it. I like that. I want to echo one thing before I before I let you go. It, it's one thing for you to say, I had that confidence. I knew I could play at this level. Your high school coach told the Dallas Morning News that, quote, your will to win is probably the best I've ever seen as a coach. And I've been coaching high school football in Texas for 28 years, end of quote. Like, to me, that's incredibly high praise. So that mm-hmm. will and that desire, I always ask athletes this, but where does that come from? I mean, did you develop that? Did you build that? Were you wired for it? That will and desire, where does it come from? What's the origin? Um, I mean, I think it comes from my parents. Um, at a young age, my dad and I would just, play like little small games um and i would just i would be so upset if i did not win and beat my dad and whatever it could be like tag or whatever um growing up i mean i just wanted to win so bad and and everything i did and especially sports i played every sport there was growing up and i think i think that i was just kind of wired that way and i still am and i yeah just kind of kind of just built off a young age and competing in everything i did um, not just on Saturdays for the baseball game or basketball game, but like every day with my dad, um, just in anything. In other words, it's just the way you've always been, and then you've got this environment that also encourages it, and then here we are. Here the bleep we are. One last thought. I've been really impressed by the program that Sonny has built there, and not just what you guys are doing right now, but how you're building something that's got a chance to be special and long-lasting. When you look at the talent that you have around you, how good can this team be this year? Like, What are the goals that you guys talk about right now? Our main focus is uh, winning our conference, and then after that, let whatever play out. Um, that's our main focus is to go win a conference championship. Uh, we know it's not going to be easy. Um, a lot of adversity, but I think this team is built for it. He is a two-time conference player of the week already. This season leads the nation with 24 touchdown passes passing. SMU is at Navy Saturday. Make a note of this, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Their quarterback is Tanner Mordecai. Tanner, great job. Really nice to have you on the show, man. Thanks so much for doing that. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. A.J. Dillon is my guest. A.J., really good to have you on, A.J. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. It's really good to have you on this show. Been looking forward to it. So let me get a thought on the way your career started off. Like, you're coming off a win over the Steelers, but your rookie year, A.J., was kind of strange in the sense that you had COVID, crowds were limited or non-existent. So what's it been like playing at home in Lambeau in front of a packed house, and then how much do you feed off that energy? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, I have been asked a lot, you know, this year kind of how what, what the difference is having people in there. So, you know, I kind of equate it as, uh, you know, my rookie year, you know, going away. Uh, last week we were in San Fran, my first away crowd, real. And then, uh, you know, Lambeau's been, you know, jumping these last two home games against the Lions and the Steelers. So it's an awesome environment. Lambeau is jumping, man. That That is a really unique place. Like, 
I want to skip ahead to this, but you played your high school ball in the Northeast. Then you played your college ball at Boston College. I sent, we sent our son to the University of Wisconsin. He's there right now. I'm a California native. I'm really curious. What's it been like for you transitioning from the Northeast to Wisconsin? Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, it was a little different. Uh, obviously, uh, I did my high school right outside of Boston and then B.C. pretty much being 15 minutes outside the heart of the city. Um, you know, I was used to kind of city lifestyle and stuff like that. But one thing about me and, uh, you know, just kind of me growing up is I've always grown up in a and thrived in a family environment. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I found out here in the community um, and just, you know, the, the players we have on the team and, you know, just the people of Wisconsin and the Midwest. So, you know, I'd just say Wisconsin welcomed me with open arms and, you know, making the most of it. They're nice, man. That's There's some nice Midwest folks there, and if the team is winning, it's really, really nice. Now, you had your best game of the season on Sunday, which included that 25-yard run down to the one-yard line. Can you take me through that play? What did you see on that play? And then how good was it to see Randall Cobb finish it off a play later? Yeah, um, it was an awesome, awesome run. You know, anytime you can, uh, you know, get those big chunk plays and kind of spark up the offense uh, it's a great thing to do and you know the offensive line block, blocked it pretty much textbook you really couldn't have blocked it much better than that and uh, you know before that I think I just kind of was chipping away like a two-yard gain here a seven run uh, seven yard gain here and you know we always say on the sideline like one of them's gonna pop one of them's gonna pop and you know obviously I would have loved to you know, pick those legs up and get in there. But, you know, to to see that duo of uh, 12 and Randall Cobb finishing it off uh, really made me feel like a little kid watching on TV. So, you know, it was awesome. We're talking to A.J. Dillon. In fact, I'm glad you, you brought that up because Sunday you were talking about Randall Cobb. And you said, quote, I remember a couple of times where I've been kind of shell-shocked or even fanboyish. Obviously, last year when I first met Aaron 12, and then Cobby comes in, I was like, oh, man, I didn't even talk to him for the first two days, but I just wanted to go up and say hi, but there's just that spark that he lit up in me. Like, I'm really curious, what's it been like for you to be around Randall Cobb, and then what does he mean to the team? It's really cool, uh, you know, just having his energy. Um, He's really a positive guy, um, very insightful, and, you know, just, you know, been doing it at a high level for a lot of years. Uh, and so it's really, it's really great every time, anytime I can just kind of get, you know, some words of wisdom or, you know, critique on a route or what he's seeing out there. You know, he's done it a long time at a high level, like I said. And, you know, it's, it's just really cool. It really does kind of make me feel like a little kid. And sometimes I have to remember, like, well, like, we're doing the same job. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome experience for me uh, just to come full circle. I mean, uh, these guys were like superheroes to me growing up. So uh, it's awesome to, you know, go out there and compete. I think that is really cool. And it's such an amazing running back room. A.J. Dillon is joining us. And then, of course, you got 12, right? And then Aaron Rodgers, I thought, had really high praise for you. When asked about you, Aaron said, quote, smart kid, really smart kid. And that's what I love about him. He's really taking that step and becoming a three-down back. And to quote, now, AJ, I've talked to Aaron for a long time. In fact, I've talked to him ever since he got into the league. I know for a fact he does not just throw compliments around like, like that. He only says things like that about guys that he truly does appreciate and that he feels are really smart. What's it mean to you to have earned that kind of respect from him? That definitely means uh, pretty much everything to me. Uh, you know, since the day I got drafted, uh, you know, I did my kind of presser with the Green Bay Packers media department, and they just asked me to say a few words. And one of the things I said and kind of harped on was, you know, I wanted to be somebody that was reliable. Um, my biggest goal was to, whether it was first down or fourth down, first quarter or overtime, I wanted to – you know, everybody in the stadium, whether it's coaches, fans, players, teammates, to, you know, trust that I could go out there and get the job done. So to hear something like that from 12 uh, is just absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it, it, is, it really is everything. And really tells me that I'm, you know, heading in the right direction. There's still a ton of work I got to do, you know. There's still mistakes I made, and I'm probably my own biggest critic. But, you know, uh, you know just kind of that, you know, like, hey, like, You know, this hard work is paying off. You know, it's not going unnoticed, but far from finished. 
Packers running back A.J. Dillon is joining us. You know, in terms of that hard work, too, like anybody who watches you play knows about the power and the physicality that you bring to it. Like Aaron himself said, quote, running the ball like he's a bowling ball. But And we know this. This is a given. You're going to run really hard. You're going to be really physical. What's it mean, though, to be recognized now as a three-down back? How much pride do you take in that fact? I take a lot of pride in that. Uh, absolutely. It was one of the kind of things, knocks, if you will, coming out of Boston College. And I always said it was never a lack of ability. It was more so just lack of opportunity. Um, at BC, uh, Boston College, we didn't – our, our – uh, game we didn't really do much uh pass game really incorporating the the running back and you know that really worked for us but a lot of people didn't see or weren't sure if i could you know help out in the pass game and protection and catching the ball and so you know it's something i really made it a point to work on this off season and like i said you know i'm always striving to get better so i'm still working at it obviously but it's nice to you know go out there and make a couple catches uh, a couple of check downs in these first couple of games and, uh, you know, just kind of continue to work in that direction. I've always, uh, you know, toyed with the, the notion APP, uh, all purpose back. And uh, that's something I really do strive to be. AJ Dillon joining us. All right. So before I let you go, if we were to go back a step, that first game did not go the way anybody would have liked, of course, but now you've won three straight. What was the reaction within the team after that first game? And then how have you gone about making sure that that one tough game did not turn into a losing streak? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we really took that as a lesson. Something, I, something I've learned in you know, my short time so far in the NFL is that the margin of error, no matter who you're playing, where you're playing, whatever you're playing, is so, so small in the National Football League. Uh, every team has first-round picks, vets, potential Hall of Famers, et cetera, guys that have been doing it for a long time at a high level. And so you really just, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And so I think that taught us, one, that, you know, there was still stuff we needed to improve on, obviously. And two, um, the the joy in, you know, uh, getting a win. And when we do get a win, uh, you know, really enjoying that and understanding that, it doesn't just come easy. And there was a lot of hard work that went into it. And then, you know, having that opportunity to reset and then go ahead and be one another next week. Sounds like something 12 would say, but I think that as a young guy, you've already (laughs) kind of figured that out. Like you you have to enjoy it, man. It can't be like, yeah, we're supposed to win. Let's not even enjoy the process. And then when we lose, let's just dwell on that. You can't, man. You got to enjoy the positives. You got to enjoy the good times. Like you have this mindset and it seems to me you're like naturally upbeat, optimistic, you're enthusiastic, you're confident, but it doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like when you go back, when you're playing on the stage that you're playing on, AJ, you know this, the critics are going to jump on everything they can. And you said that when you decommitted from Michigan, people were telling you things like, man, you will never amount to anything. As a young guy, what did you make of that at that time? And how did you go about processing it, blocking it out, ignoring it, getting beyond it? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I did, I, I've never been one to necessarily get too high or too low based on, you know, outside of my circle or my coaching staff or teammates' opinions. Uh, you know, I've never really let Twitter or Instagram dictate you know, kind of my route and my course of action on the field. Um, I've always sort of used it as motivation. And so for me, during that transition, when I decommitted, when I got to Boston College, you can ask some of my teammates or just ask anybody. I literally uh, printed out and I had, uh, I went on to Microsoft Word and I put all these tweets and I put them up in my locker. And then, so that fueled me my freshman year. The next year, uh, I forget something came out with the top running backs and my that sophomore class printed it out, put them on. I think I was like the 30th something running back. And then the same thing junior year. So, you know, I've always used that as fuel to the fire. I've always just used it as motivation. And, you know, if somebody's pointing out something I'm not doing right, then maybe I must have to get better and just, uh, you know, keep uh, honing my skills, keep sharpening that iron. 
I like it. All right, so one last thought. I'm fascinated by all things Wisconsin. Like I said, we've sent our son to college there. I actually have a house, AJ, that we built in northern Wisconsin in Eagle River. However, you're a huge fan of Door County to the point that you've talked about how your goal is to get a key to Door County. I've never (laughs) been to Door County. What's Door County all about? Door County is awesome. Uh, You know, I'm a big advocate for it, obviously, on social media and things like that. For me, it's kind of just my kind of relaxed area. You know, I can go there and just be at peace. Uh, It's a great place. If you've ever been to the East Coast, if you've ever been to Cape Cod, it's essentially like the Midwest version of Cape Cod. So you go up there, uh, just amazing people, really towny, great family environment. There's not many like franchises. Everything's kind of like a mom and pop shop. You got the docks, you got everything. And so, you know, any time of year, it's awesome to get up there and if you ever want to come make a trip, I'll uh, be your tour guide. I'll take you up on that. And if you ever want to come down to Eagle River, I'll hook you up there too. Like uh, I'll reciprocate. So I see you working. I think without ever having been there, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's real. It's relaxing. Midwestern hospitality. I get it. Green Bay's three and one. They're in first. They've got another big one coming up at Cincinnati on Sunday. AJ, really nice to have you on the show. I appreciate you making time during a game week, and it's great to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Good night now.